Well, hey there, guys. Greetings, salutations. Welcome back to the channel for this installment of Open Mic, where the mic is open, the floor is yours. You got something you want to talk about in the worlds of movies, TV, streaming, entertainment, whatever it is, this is what we're here to talk about. Whatever it is you guys want to bring up. I'm, of course, your host, John Campy. I'm joined in studio today by the birthday boy. Yeah, the second host. Ray, or Ray Ora. <laughs> Looking at some Legos. I was. I some, think we were, wow. he's looking at Legos. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. We're not going to tell you what we were discussing before we started. Jonathan Voiko is here, of course. Hello. And uh, you were getting started on putting that uh, Batmobile together. Yes. Now, okay. We got Jonathan this Batmobile right. for his birthday. Tell me again how many pages the instruction manual is to put it together. It's 247 pages, but there's like 390 instructions. <laughs> Anything over four pages, and I'm taking it back to the store. <laughs> like 240-something pages on putting the thing together. That's uh... <laughs> You're going to have to extend the lease to this place. Listen, what do you... <laughs> it won't be done. <laughs> what did you think Battinson had to go through building the real one? That's piece right. Piece by piece. Piece it's by freaking Lego justice. piece. All right, guys. Hey, listen, before we get into taking your questions here, and by the way, there are two ways to get a topic or question on open mic. The first way is if you're watching one of the 23 hours of the day that we're not streaming live, go ahead and use the tip link and send that in there. Their tip link can be found simply at streamelements.com slash John Campia slash tip. You can use that 24-7. The other way is if you are watching live right now, you can use the Super Chat feature that is there in the chat box. And of course, if your topic or question is appropriate to be used on our show, sometimes they're not, we will be addressing it here. Now, before we get into uh, those questions and topics that you guys are sending in, I want to talk about this. It has been revealed uh, on deadline that Loki Season 2 you know, guys know they dropped the trailer the other day. And I don't know if you can get my screen here, Jonathan. Yeah, I'm sinking. They, they dropped the new trailer yesterday. We talked about, discussed it. Loki is my third favorite character in the MCU. I love Tom Hiddleston as Loki. I've had a chance to meet and interview him several times about playing the character. I love this character. And so I was really super excited for season one. You might have to resync on your end. All right. It, yeah. But for, you know, whatever reason, I did not hate season one. But I didn't exactly love season one either. Uh, didn't super enjoy it. Didn't what was super the like it. Point that you didn't like about season one. What it was, was like your biggest struggle or uh, critique of it? I think there's a couple things. One thing is that it was just messy. Do I got the right screen there, Jonathan? No. Okay. I, it was. I found the story was like really there messy, and the narrative flow was really all over the place. I didn't particularly love the Sylvie character. Um, I, and I just thought it just kind of jumped around. Thought Now, there were some episodes that I really loved, right? And overall, it's a series that I thought was okay. I didn't hate it. I, I you know, if it had an episode seven, I would have watched episode seven. If it had an episode eight, I would have watched episode eight. So it was all right. I, okay. You know, not bad. But it's just that I love this character so much, the way Tom Hiddleston plays him. I was really hoping for better. And hey, listen, Owen Wilson was fantastic in it. Uh, I love him. So then I watched the trailer and I didn't, I got to admit, I did not love the trailer for season two. Now I'm in the minority. I think there was like 90%. I, I read this report that said 90% of online responses to the new trailer were positive. 
right? And that's that's great. I, I don't mind being in the minority of that. I'm glad people are liking it and loving what they're seeing. But it's not about how many people liked it and how many people didn't. It's that everybody tuned in to watch because according to this report and deadline, that trailer just broke the all-time Disney Plus record. Listen to this. The first trailer for the second season of Marvel's Loki, that's again comes from us from Deadline, released Monday morning, has quickly hit a new milestone with it becoming the biggest online trailer debut ever for any series on Disney Plus with 80 million views. The new season of Loki debuts on October 6th. Season one remains, get this, Marvel Studios' most watched series on Disney Plus. So clearly, I'm not the only one who loves Loki. So for that season one to like outdraw WandaVision, which was by far the better show, or outdraw Hawkeye, who's an OG Avengers, Avenger, outdraw viewership than Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which has a couple of popular characters in there, outdraw She-Hulk, which even though the series was bad, a lot of people for many decades have been really looking forward to a She-Hulk series. But the number one viewed of all of them was that Loki series. So maybe it shouldn't surprise us, but 80 million views setting a new mark for Disney plus. So I don't know, Ray, you got some thought on that? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like Loki has been with us since the first Thor, right? That's when you, that Tom Hiddleston. Very was, early in the MCU. He's one of the original characters. Do you think there's some sort of like comfort that people find? Like they could trust in Loki, like a Loki series. Just oh, don't you, trust in Loki. You know, I'm just, saying, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying like, for me, I find comfort that I think, this series will be good just because he's, they wouldn't do him wrong with he? Well, I mean, I, if you, it depends who you ask. Like because I did think they did him a little bit wrong in, in, in season one. The first season, though. But here's the thing. I think you're onto something there because one of the challenges of the MCU right now is that all their faces are gone. All their identity is gone, right? Like the two main faces of the MCU were Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark and Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. They were the heart and soul, the two primary faces, the identity of the MCU. They're both gone. Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow is gone. Um, Thor, Thor's a little might be gone. <laughs> Thor might be gone. Thor's a little shaky right now, right? And so the very fact that Tom Hiddleston is kind of that one of the longest standing characters that we have that has one of the few remaining threads that attaches what the MC is now, the MCU is now to what the MCU was. And he's not an Avenger. And he's not an <laughs> Avenger. But he is the God of Mischief. Oh, yeah. He, and he is burdened with glorious purpose. <laughs> I mean, I, I love this character. So I think you might be right about that, about the fact that in an MCU right now that is struggling for identity, Loki is kind of like... Uh, I, I don't know, like a, what, what, is, what do you the call it when a hope? kid, when a kid has a teddy bear, that's like a security blanket, oh, yeah, maybe right. in some way, like that's just our comfort animal, right? right. That's maybe that's part of it. I mean, I, I don't know. Because if anything, even if it's written bad, you could always guarantee that Tom Hiddleston will play this role like really well. Like, well, listen, Tom Hiddleston has come out and said like, whereas some other actors are like, Eh, once I'm tired of this character, Tom Hiddleston has said many times, hey man, I'll play Loki as long as they let me play Loki. And there's something to me, even though I didn't love season one, there's something to me that feels so refreshing about that, that I'm watching an actor playing a role who truly loves playing that role and is there, is, is ride or die. Right. To play, as long as Marvel wants to keep using, and listen, at some point, to serve narrative, 
they may actually have to really kill off Loki. I mean, they've done it three times. But to serve a bigger story, at some point, maybe they need to kill off Loki. And I'm fine with that if it serves the story. But I, I just love watching a guy play a role who clearly loves playing the role, who wants to play this role as long as he can. There's something really nice about that. But again, I don't know why this one broke the record for... I don't think it's the best trailer they've had for a, a Marvel Disney Plus show. I certainly don't think it's even in the top two for the best Disney Plus show that they've had. Um, so I'm not really sure that that one thing you said that Loki is that one constant that we have back to the phase one MCU. Now you could say Dr. Banner is there too. Bruce Banner, Hulk is there yeah, too, but, but, but that's not, we don't have Hulk anymore. We've got Hawaiian shirt, family barbecue Hulk. Now nobody gives a shit about that Hulk. All due respect to anybody who does, but come on, nobody cares about that Hulk. We want the Hulk that Steve Rogers to turn to his head Hulk and he looks at him and he says, smash. And then he goes, beats the living shit out of everything. That's the Hulk we want. But we got Loki. Yeah, CinemaCon so cemented that the fan love for this character, mm -hmm. for Tom Hiddleston. That CinemaCon, I think, did it. Like, he won me over there. I was like... Oh, that CinemaCon when he came yeah, walking yeah, out yeah, stage yeah, yeah. dressed as Loki? Oh, yeah, that's one of the, that, that might go down as the single most iconic moment in the history of cinema, uh, of uh, Comic-Con. Comic yeah, yeah, com yeah. Comic-Con. Comic was when Tom Hilson came out on that stage, dressed as Loki, addressed the audience as Loki. I mean, I, I don't know that there's ever been a better single moment <laughs> at Comic-Con than that moment. It's the greatest one ever. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess question is for you guys. What do you think? Are you are you looking forward to this Loki series? Did you rush out and watch the trailer? What did you think about the trailer? Uh, we did put up a poll yesterday asking people if they liked it. I think like 82% said they liked it. We forgot to mention one thing, the Jonathan Majors factor. Maybe that got people clicking. Well, that's a good point too. I think there is, you're probably right. I think there was probably a segment of that 80 million people that were just curious to see, are they going to put Jonathan Majors in the trailer? And I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I know it feels very TMZ-ish of me. Yeah, I actually feel a little bit dirty about it, but I'm not going to lie. Part of my thought process as I was clicking play on my remote control was, I wonder how much Jonathan Majors they're going to put in this trailer right now. No, 50% of my process was... I, and I wouldn't be surprised if there weren't more people like that. So, yeah. All right, guys. With all that down, let's now get on to the purpose of why we're here, which is to take your questions here, shall we? Let's start off with the tippling questions. Jonathan, what do we got? Uh, we've got Spider Yavnik writes, rewatched Ratatouille recently, love it so much. Top three Pixar movie after Toy Story 3 and up. And it just reminded me how much Disney has lost its touch recently. Uh, the last film that I could feel the same Pixar magic was Coco. What's your go-to Pixar movie? I, I Listen, I would, if you have not seen uh, Elemental, Elemental I, I have to see it. Uh, Elemental is a Pixar film that recaptured the Pixar magic to me. Uh, Coco was absolutely breathtakingly wonderful. I, I loved Coco so much. Uh, really surprised too, because I didn't like the, the marketing for it. I, I didn't think it, they did not make it look all that appealing, but it was great. That's the magic about Pixar. There's any one of eight Pixar movies you could mention that could be a legitimate number one Pixar film. Toy Story 1, Toy Story 2, Ratatouille, WALL-E, Up, the Incredibles, mm -hmm. The Incredibles 2, uh, Inside Out. Turning Red. Turning Red. I mean, or is Turning Red a Disney animation film? I can't I remember. I think it was 
Disney. I, oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I can't sorry, remember if it's a Pixar Steve. or Disney. Either way. Like, that's just how great that Pixar has been, right? And, um, and but believe me, if you haven't seen Elemental yet, Elemental is not a top two or three, but it is a great return to the form and magic of the of, of Pixar. I, I would say... If I had to pick my one go-to one, like if I was at an evening at home and said, you can watch one Pixar film tonight, what's it going to be? Inside Out would be a strong contender. Ratatouille, we just watched Ratatouille. But Turning Red is Pixar. Turning Red is Pixar. Turning Red is magnificent, by the way. Absolutely fucking magnificent movie. Should have had a theatrical <laughs> release. And should have won Best Animated Film at the Oscars. 100% John should have won Best John stood up and animated. yelled that in front of all the kids in the theater, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely should have won Best Animated Picture at the Oscars. Um, I'm going to say Incredibles. I think my go-to one... I, I'm not necessarily saying The Incredibles is the best Pixar film, but if I was at home tonight, locked in, I, had, I could watch one Pixar movie. I think The Incredibles is the one I'm loading up. I haven't seen that one. You haven't seen The Incredibles? Yeah. Well, that's the next homework assignment. <laughs> I told you. We we did a homework assignment for Ray. We made him come over and watch Ratatouille. We're going to have to do that next with The Incredibles. That's what we got to do next. Ray's like, that's my secret. I've never seen any movies. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen any Pixar. <laughs> All right, what's next? <laughs> All right. Uh, Luis Cortez writes, I agree 100% with you on Nolan directing just one movie in either a Star Wars or Bond movie, but what if in either Star Wars or Bond he has full power, only wants to direct one movie, but will stay as a writer-producer in all three movies? Would you say no to Nolan? There's no point in answering that question because Christopher Nolan is not interested in run, in uh, writing movies that he's not directing. That's so, I, I mean, it's, so, it's kind of a moot point. Um, that's not what Christopher Nolan wants to do. That's not what he's about. He wants to create and direct films. That, that's what he wants to do. So for those of you who don't know what he's talking about, this discussion has come up. You know, Christopher Nolan made a very big public statement that he would love to do James Bond. But, he said publicly... I would have to have full control of casting James Bond, of writing the story, having complete final edit, all that kind of stuff. And to which I said, I don't blame Christopher Nolan for wanting that, but I don't think MGM and the Broccoli's, the family in control of Bond, will ever go for that because you're giving all this power to set the direction for Bond, Christopher Nolan, then he's going to split after one movie. So what I suggested was I could see MGM and the Broccoli's going for it if Christopher Nolan committed to sticking around. Not just come in, drop a bomb, and then leave, but come in and say, I'll cast Bond, I'll set the director, and I will direct for seven years. I'll direct three Bond films over seven years or four films over 10 years, whatever. Then I think they would go for it. I think the same is true because for Star Wars, somebody wrote in and asked yesterday, could you see him doing Star Wars? And I said the same thing. If he wants full control of a story and character casting and all that kind of stuff, Lucasfilm ain't going to say yes to that for one movie because they've got a whole universe to think about. But if he commits and signs up for three, four projects, then I could see them doing that. But the thing, again, it's, it's a valid question about what if he just comes in and directs one but writes up that. But again, there's no point in even answering that because that ain't something Christopher Nolan's going to do. So it's, it's, it's kind of pointless. All right, what's next? Garden Variety Vagabond writes, so deeply sad that Angus Cloud, the 25-year-old actor, died today a week after the passing of his best friend, his father. He played uh, the lovable drug dealer Fez on Euphoria. He was an everyman who, ha who had no plans uh, to act until he was discovered selling waffles. Yeah, it was very, like, I, I'm not going to pretend to know his work. I mean, I watched a couple of episodes of Euphoria. I don't remember him. Uh, it was just, it, it's not a bad show. It was just so... <laughs> heavy. I, 
I it would make it just made me feel icky mm. watching it. And that's that's not a knock on the show. That's that's a credit to the show of how powerfully it's made. I, I just couldn't watch more of it. So I'm not familiar with his work, but it's it's always sad, like so infinitely sad when you hear about somebody that young passing away, yeah, especially when they had so much going in their life right now. Very sad to hear. All right, what's next? Okay, we got Adolfo with two parts. Uh, Yo, Ray, happy birthday, man. You oh, are funny you. AF, and the podcast wouldn't be the same without you. <laughs> I'm excited for the new TMNT. Trailer looks great. <laughs> I know next to nothing about TMNT, though. This will be my first exposure to the franchise. Ray, can you give me a primer on the four turtles, such as their basic attributes, characteristics, uh, who's the leader, the tech guy, who's the funny one? Thanks, bro. P.S. John, you should add the stream elements link to the video bios. We just did that today. Yeah, we actually did that today. I, I, I will say this, though. As somebody who is not a fan of the modern iteration of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, you don't need any primer going into mm -hmm. this movie. Don't this movie it. is a page one, fresh start, uh, you, they will bring you along for the ride. But if you want a little bit of info on the turtles, no, uh, Ray, not, help me out here. Tell, help me out. Let me see how good I get this. Okay. The funny one is Michelangelo. Of course. Okay. The leader is Leonardo. Yep. The hothead is Donatello. Yep. No, Raphael. Oh, Raphael. Uh, uh, Raffi, that's right. Raph. Donatello's the, the, the smart one. He's always ready to. Yeah, Raph. Yeah. Raph is the, the the aggressive one. He's the one who in the, the in the 1990s version he he lost his sign. He's like, damn it, and everyone was like, ooh, they said, damn it. Uh, you know, I I feel I'm very jealous that he knows nothing about the turtles because this is a perfect movie to just. It go really right is. Into. I I think giving you any pre pre his history or like knowledge of them would just it doesn't matter. Yeah, go in fresh, clean slate. Go in cold. And listen, as somebody who is not a fan of the modern iteration of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I really like this movie. Yeah. It's really enjoyable. Go check it out. I think you're going to have fun. All right, what's next? All right, John, completely agree with you and your assessment of Star Wars' lack of success uh, with sequel trilogies not having the thread of story to tie all three movies together. Bring on the filthy always, my friend. You know, it's I. here's the thing. It's a little bit of a contradiction because on the one hand, I always say, like with Marvel movies, I don't care if a Marvel movie ties into the wider MCU story. I don't care. Just make good movies, right? Like if Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was just an amazing movie, it wouldn't matter one squirt of piss if it tied in with the larger ongoing story of the Marvel Cinematic. Nobody would give a shit. It wouldn't matter. But the movie wasn't good. And that's the problem. With Star Wars, Star Wars is a very unique animal. Right? Because you were literally talking about a series of movies that is episode seven, episode eight, and episode nine. Right? This is this is supposed to be one continuous story. And then when you go into something that you're telling the audience, we got episodes seven, eight, and nine coming, and you don't plan out what's gonna happen in that story, and you let one director come in and say we're doing this one thing, and then in the very next chapter, another director come in and said, Now nah, I'm doing this other thing. And then that other director comes back in the third one and goes, now nah, I'm going to do this other thing. It, it it just makes it very, it sours the milk, Ray. It sours the milk. Sour that milk. I don't care how good sour. your cereal is. You pour sour milk in that son of a bitch. It ain't going to taste very good. Uh. Yeah, sour that milk, baby. All right, what's next? BK Dan writes, John, sorry that I got to do this, but 
in some ways I may be a bigger nerd than you. I sat next to and played D&D with Bob Salvatore at Gen Con 97. Wow. Author of the Driz T stories. Um, okay, that's pretty good. Now, I, I'm hoping, hoping that I still get to play some D&D with Kyle Newman. Now, Kyle Newman, for those of you who don't know the name, you certainly know some of his work. Kyle directed the cult classic Fanboys, mm -hmm. which I absolutely I fell in love with that movie before I ever met Kyle. Um, he directed the most recent uh, One Up, One Up, the video game movie. Um, he's uh, he directed uh, Taylor Swift music videos. Yeah, I, I Kyle's gonna have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Kyle is like a godfather. No, no, sorry, I think Taylor Swift is a godmother of one of Kyle's kids. Oh wow. Uh, anyway, and that Kyle, kid gonna be rich. For our <laughs> purposes here, Kyle also wrote a couple of the definitive Dungeons and Dragons books, including a visual history book and an awesome Dungeons and Dragons cookbook. Um, him, Joe Manganiello, and a bunch of Hollywood celebs playing the most famous Dungeons and Dragons game in the world in Joe Manganiello's basement. Um, I guess the newly single Joe Manganiello. He, him and uh, Vera, what? 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 Not Vera Famiglia. Um, Vergara? Uh, Vergara. They yeah, broke they, up? They, yeah, they're getting divorced. They just announced last week they're getting divorced. She realized he was a big nerd. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, 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 I don't mean to make light of a divorce. No, no. I mean, it, it's awful. But, yeah. I mean, there are Hugh Jackman and his wife, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Blake. Wait, what? No, no, no. No, what I'm saying is oh, them and Joe yeah, yeah, yeah. and Vergara. Those are like the three, like you expect all Hollywood couples to break up, right? Yeah. You expect you expect all of them to break up. Those three are ones that I'm like, no, don't let those three break up. And, <laughs> yeah. and one of them did. You know what sucks is if you see Sophie or whatever, or you see Joe, and then you're like, I'm going to hit on them. But then you have to think, oh, they were just with that person. You're like, and you look at yourself like, yeah, I got no shot. I got no shot. <laughs> you got to measure up to Joe or Sophia. Come on. No shot. Yeah, never mind. I would wait a minute. Should I tell this story? No, you're right. No, nope. ask yourself. Not, 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 not going to tell the story. <laughs> yeah, if I have to ask myself if I should tell the story, the answer is you probably shouldn't ask to tell the story. So I'm not going to tell the story. All right, what's next? Full boil uh, with a twenty dollar tip. Right. Thank you, full boil. Hi, John. Oh. <laughs> I recently looked uh, to save on cell service, and I remembered seeing Mint Mobile ads on your YouTube show. I'm giving it a try, and I'm now saving thirty percent, and I'm very happy with the cell service. I use the Campia code too. Here's a thank you tip. Oh, thank yeah. you, Jonathan Voico. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, yeah, full boil wrote that. Full not us. boil. Now you th you think that one was a plant? Thank no. In, in all dead seriousness, again, we are very very strict around here about which sponsors we accept on the show and which ones we do not, and we really do only go with the ones that we truly believe in and we truly like. And Mint Mobile has been an absolute godsend for me. Now, to be full transparency, when I first when they first came on as sponsor and I signed up for their service. I got my first like three or four months for free because I was a advertiser, right? And after that, they were still a thing. So I, I signed up for extension, but my one year, my first year of full service uh, elapsed about a week and a half ago. I was in Vegas. It's like, oh, my thing's running out. I didn't even think about it twice. I logged in my account. I bought in for another full year, my own money, all that kind of, like seriously, that's how much I love this service. They have saved me so much money. They are fantastic. 
it's also great that they are still currently owned by good Canadian kid, Ryan Reynolds. So that's always good to know. But I mean, they're terrific. Absolutely check them out. Their service is great. You're going to save tons of money. Go check out Mint Mobile. And uh, by, by, hey, listen, you know what? You don't even have to use the Campier promo code. That, that's how much I want you guys to save money on this. If you don't want to use the Campier promo code so I don't get credit for it, go ahead and do it without the Campier promo code. If you want to use the Campier promo code, awesome. But I mean, I believe in it that much, and I really think you guys would benefit from it, so go and use it. All right, that was an extended commercial. Wow, use a Ray Aura code. <laughs> Just so you, you know, there is no Ray Aura code. is where you get him a line. I actually have two lines. I have two minutes. That's right. You signed up for the for with your oh, family too. Yeah. Is there a story behind that? Sir? No, I just have two lines. There's one for two of the girls. Him and his okay. mistress. Oh, okay, I got you. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, his two girls. Lord, no, no, Lord no, no, help me. Sorry, does Laura watch the show? Actually, it's for two of the stepdaughters, but not for the mistress. I don't have a mistress. Okay, full boy. All right, he's back. Hi, John. Does it make any difference to a podcast episode ratings if it is streamed as opposed to downloaded onto a device and then listened to? Uh, listening to it offline. I read it could make a difference, but I wasn't sure if the source was credible. Thanks. As far as I know, uh, like for, for the John Campus Show podcast, whether somebody streams a podcast or downloads the podcast on their device to listen to later, I believe it still counts the same in our analytics. I mean, we'll see it broken out in our analytics, which was streamed, which was downloaded and listened to later. But I think overall for viewership downloads, for our sponsor impressions, all that kind of stuff, I believe it's all the same. I, I could be wrong, but I think it's all the same. Good question. All right, what's next? It's all the same. It's all the same. We all sound the same, uh, just, whether you're streaming it or downloading it. <laughs> just Jay Newby writes, uh, you're right, Ray. Uh, I just rewatched re Casper for the first time as an adult, and my jaw hit the floor when Stance from Ghostbusters showed up. I think that's my favorite ca character cameo ever. Django uh, showing up in A Million Ways to Die in the West was great, too. Thoughts? I cannot remember a single thing about Casper. That was like how how old is that movie? That it's was from the nineties. Wait, yeah. am I saying that a Ghostbuster showed up in Casper? Yeah, I don't remember that. I, I don't remember, like, I don't, I just, I remember the design of the character. I remember the voice of the character, but I don't remember the slightest thing about it. Stance in Casper. Well, yeah. apparently he's a full on Ghostbuster in this movie. By the way, A Million Ways to Die in the West, I think is a little bit underrated. Like, I, I don't know that I loved it the first time I watched it, but as I've, I've popped it on a few times as it's been on TV and Every time I pop it on, wherever I pop it on, something happens that makes me laugh. It's 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 actually pretty damn funny, especially when he starts talking about coal miners and their taste buds. And so, anyway, it's 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 actually pretty fun. Liam Neeson is great in it. But anyway, all right, what's next? Popping bottles. Uh, let's see. Just Jay Newby writes. Um, one more quick thing. My daughter turns six today. If I'm not mistaken, she's your birthday buddy, Ray. Oh yeah. She's obsessed with uh, Wednesday Adams, so I got her a doll and Wednesday inspired cake with black roses. Can't wait to see all the black smiles. Aww. Oh, that's good. You got to take some pictures like on, her, that. on her teeth and everything. Well, happy birthday happy to your birthday. daughter, man. That's awesome. By the way, can I just throw in this quick little side note? So it, when Ann and I have like 10 minutes in between when we either got to walk the dogs or go to our next thing or eat dinner or whatever, we'll, we'll pop on YouTube, right? Just do some YouTube roulette. Came across this video yesterday that is one of the absolute funniest videos I've ever seen. It's just a compilation of gender reveals. You know how, how yeah, some right. people do? I, I think it's the most stupid thing I've ever seen in my life is gender reveals. They but find out their babies. Uh, yeah, right. So, but they do gender reveals 
with their existing children. And the reactions is some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. Like they've got a little boy and a little girl and they go, okay, let's do it. And we're going to pop this balloon. And if it's pink, you're going to have a little sister. If it's blue, you're going to have a little brother. They pop the balloon and it's like, pink comes out and the little boy and cries. The little girl gets all excited. Right. Little boy like instantly <laughs> storms out of the room. And, like, and it's like, it's like a, a montage of about like 40 of these. Right. And the one was the best. They, they, they did the reveal by having their little boy open up this big box. And if pink balloons come out, he's having a sister of blue blues. He's coming to boy. They're having a boy. He opens it up and all the pink balloons come out. And he's like, he gets up on his tiptoes and looks in the box. They're like, what are you doing, buddy? Where are the blue balloons? <laughs> it's like, no, you're having you're so, having a sister. And he gets into the box. It's just one of the funniest things I've ever and seen. And the end of the story is the dogs never got walked. And the dogs, that's yeah, true. We <laughs> ended up watching like 45 minutes of gender reveal kid temper tantrums. It was awesome. Shut up, dogs. All right, what's next? <laughs> Scott Brown writes, I'm bored with the MCU. Secret Invasion started out promising, but ended on such a whimper, and I have no interest in the Marvels. The multiverse movies coming up have failed to really compel me, and the two things I'm interested in, Blade and X-Men, are far out. Far out, man. It's You get bored of things when they stop satisfying you, right? Like, that that's, that's just the thing. Once something stops satisfying, you're going to get bored of it. The MCU stopped satisfying. And there was a joke in there somewhere, but I decided not to tell it. But yeah, the MCU has basically just stopped satisfying. Their, their quality dropped. And by the way, the way you just described it, like Secret Invasion about start off promising, ended on a whimper, that's kind of been the modus operandi of the MCU shows on Disney+, Plus, right? They start off pretty strong. Yes, Ray, it's probably the same kind of joke again for the second time around. I can see Ray giggling back there. But story of my life. Story of my life. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was never the trench coat. It was me. The trench coat isn't the problem. I was the problem. So, I mean, <laughs> other than WandaVision analogy. and other than uh, Ms. Marvel, I mean, uh, like even like Hawkeye didn't start bad, but went downhill. Um, it, it's, it's She-Hulk started off pretty good, went downhill really fast. It's, that's kind of been their thing. And it's like the, the whole multi, listen, I'll, I'll say it. The multiverse saga, the multiverse saga, as opposed to the infinity saga, the multiverse saga has been a tremendous mistake. It's been a tremendous mistake. And I knew it was, I'd, like I said, when I was sitting in that CinemaCon auditorium two years ago and Kevin Feige's on stage and says, this is welcome to the multiverse saga. I said in my David Chappelle voice, oh no. Like I, I just, I just knew that this was good. And it's been a mess. I, a couple of great things in it. I still believe in Kevin Feige. I still believe in the MCU, but woo. But you yeah. wanted Thanos to win then. Well, no, I just. Because <laughs> like that would have been the end. <laughs> I just, I, I just think there were so many other directions. To me, multiverse is the most lazy ass, consequence free, unimaginative storytelling you can do. Because you can do anything and nothing matters. Like all at the same time, you can do anything, but nothing matters with multiverse. And you get to have a, a few great fan moments, but ultimately you're not telling satisfying stories. No Way Home did a very, very good job of using multiverse and telling a really good satisfying story. But for the most part, it's just like, like uh, 
Yeah, everybody tries to say, well, John, it's not the same Gamora. It's Gamora, okay? And they completely undermine that great emotional death of Gamora in Infinity War, the music playing in this big tragic moment. Don't worry about it. She's back in the next movie. I, so between uncompelling stories, mediocre execution, and the very fact that this multiverse thing that as of right now, nobody can tell you, like how long ago was Endgame? 2019? No. 2019? <laughs> I think I'll look it up right now. Yeah, Infinity War was 2018. I think and I think 19, Endgame yeah, was I guess so. I thought it was 18. Yeah. Infinity War was 18, Endgame was 19. Mm. In the 4 years since then, I defy you to find one MCU fan who can actually explain to me what is the MCU right now. Nobody can. No, like Kevin Feige about 6 months ago said it's going to become clear really soon. Well, since then, we had Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania come out. We had Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was very good, by the way. But we had Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 come out. We've had several of the shows come out. And still nobody knows what the MCU is right now. Maybe someday we'll figure it out. Anyway. All right. What's next? All uh, right. Scott's back and says, I love strong f female characters, but I think it's strange that Marvel introduced a female counterpart for almost every Avenger in one phase and then did it again in Secret Evasion and made her so overpowered. When every character is the same, it's boring and uncreative. He's talking about Amelia Clark. Yeah. Character. I Here's the thing. It would have been fine if they wrote comp a compelling story. It would have been fine. The problem with it wasn't that... I mean, ultimately, her and Gravik developed their powers at the same time, right? Her and Gravik got their powers at the exact same moment, so one didn't follow the other. They got them both at the same moment. I just think the very fact that they just created a god in the MCU is ridiculous. It's, it, it, like I said, one of the criticisms, because even the thing, we all have criticisms about even the things that we love the most, right? Nothing's perfect. One of the criticisms about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even when it was running hot and being awesome in phases one, two, and three, one of the criticisms was that a lot of their characters come across as really overpowered, right? They, they just really superpower. And then, so now what do you do? Well, got to top it. So let's get a character who has all their powers now. Like, forget the argument. Is Thanos more powerful than Captain Marvel? Is Captain Marvel more powerful than Hulk? Is Hulk more powerful than Thor? Forget that. We got a character who has all their powers. Has all the powers of Thanos, Thor, Hulk, Captain Marvel, and about two dozen others just for good measure. It was a really dumb move. And it just felt, you know what it felt like? It felt desperate. When I was watching the final episode, Chris, I I was modestly enjoying Secret Invasion up till the finale. I'm not going to say I loved it, but I was modestly enjoying it. And then when that finale started to happen, all this, it just felt like a Hail Mary. You know what I mean? It felt like a desperate thing and... It just, it soured the milk, Ray. Soured the milk. The cereal wasn't bad until they poured the sour milk in. It just kind of ruined the experience for me. Anyway, all right, what's next? I mean, writes the Cineplex in Mississauga, which is one of the only two locations in all of Ontario showing Oppenheimer and IMAX 70, 70 millimeter film is almost completely sold out until at least August 16. I have never seen a film do this. Not Marvel, not anything crazy. For some, I still don't understand this. For some, by the way, I, I, I love that theater in Mississauga. Um, for some reason, the people, there's this narrative out there that if you're going to see Oppenheimer, you have to see it in 70 millimeter IMAX. I don't agree. 
I don't agree. I saw it in a non 70 millimeter IMAX, had a great time. It's a wonderful movie. You don't need to see it in that format. If you want to see it in that format and you can, great. But I, I really don't think you need to wait to see it. It's the same dialogue. There's no alternate ending. It's the same characters. It's the same story. It's the same grinding, the metal horse. I, I'm kind of glad that we, those the theaters aren't, they're rare. Because like if I see something in that format and love it, I'm going to have to see it there all well, the Well, I mean, that's I'm spoiled for AMC Prime theaters now. Like I just love, even though I'm, quickly falling out of love with AMC theaters. The, the AMC Prime is still my favorite theater, but I'll tell you what, man, that Cinemark theater that we went oh, to go yeah. see Transformers in, that was that a pretty table, damn baby. great experience. I just, I wish Cinemark had a good loyalty program. Yeah. Like Did, does Atlas. Cinemark have like a, a Dolby cinema type theater, like a special I think theater? They, what did they call their theater? Oh, I forgot. Regal is 4DX, right? Uh, yeah, but that's over the top. That's like, Rocking your chair. I can't remember. It does have a name. It it's, does it's, have a name. It's called something. I can't remember what it is. Anyway, well, Ray looks that up. Yeah. What's next? It's called Cinnabomb because it's the bomb. XD. 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 Cinemark XD. Is excellent, excellent, excellent movie-going experience we had there. All right, what's next? The Dump of All Fears, one of two. <laughs> it's been a week, and I'll need a second viewing, but I think I've got my thoughts on Oppenheimer down. It's the most unusual one I've ever had, and it's going to make me very unpopular. By a wide margin, this is the best movie I've seen in years, 9.5 out of 10. It's visceral, haunting, the masterful rock star-like portrayal of the scientist has you hooked, feeling the weight, despair, and rage. But Nolan's artistic signature held this movie back for me. It feels close to masterpiece, but overly garnished. It very well may be Christopher Nolan's best film. Uh, and I say that, it's I, I feel very confident in saying it's now, it has surpassed... Uh, Insomnia for me is my favorite Christopher Nolan film. For the longest time, Insomnia has been my favorite Christopher Nolan film. And now I think it's Oppenheimer. Uh, it's it's just, it, it works on so many levels. It's it's a, it's a at its heart, it's a character stu study. It's a character study and a character story. Um, the mechanisms that Christopher Nolan uses to move back and forth between time, the way he utilizes color and then black and white, that just flowed together so seamlessly and so naturally and so organically was beautiful. I, I, I have no problem. I think the term masterpiece is thrown around too, too lightly, but I have no problem in the coming months and in the coming year or two, us looking back at Oppenheimer and, and calling it a masterpiece. It's, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. Definitely going to be one of the front runners at the Oscars this year. All right, what's next? Okay, we've got Amin again who said, watched Chernobyl for the first time and wow, what a show. Can't believe it took me this long to finally sit down and watch. Top tier writing and storytelling. Almost a perfect show in my opinion. What was your favorite and least favorite part about the show? The least favorite part was that it ended. My most favorite part is just about everything about it. Um, whether you're talking about the performances of Skarsgård, the performances of uh, Jared uh, um, uh, Chamberlain. Oh uh, no, no, that, Jared Harris. Harris, 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 Harris. Uh, yeah, um, Jared Harris. Uh, like they, whenever those two characters were on screen together, just talking to each other, it was riveting. You know the scenes when the oh the workers volunteer to go down and dig the thing out. It's like oh my god, like you felt the weight of every single thing. Yeah, it is the greatest. Limited series slash miniseries, I think, that's ever been put to television. Yeah, I, I mean, I literally, my skin actually was itching yeah. as I was watching it. Like, I felt like I was getting radiation, like, 
through my skin. I was like, oh, this is terrible. And then you had the showrunner for that made go on to do Last of yeah. Us. Right? I mean, it, it's, oh, yeah. Chern if you guys have not seen Chernobyl, it's, again, I think it is the greatest um, limited series slash miniseries that's ever been on TV. It's just ridiculously good. If you liked Oppenheimer, you will love this. All right, what's next? Uh, Tristan Thorpe writes, I thought the Loki season two trailer looked great, but I won't be watching because I didn't like how they ended it. Just felt like a waste of time. Also going forward, I'm just going to pick and choose with these MCU shows. Problem is you don't know what to choose until you see it. Yeah, you got to see it to know if it was worth watching, right? It's like our and show. Look, who am I going to, I'm not, uh, not going to kid anybody. Of course, I'm still going to watch all the Marvel MCU shows. But the days of, of Marvel being countdown to the next episode days are over. It used to be, for me, like back, say, when WandaVision and Falcon the Winter Soldier was coming out, that's what started the term for me, game day. Game day. Game day. Game day. The night or the day of the new episode of one of those Marvel Disney Plus shows. That was game day. And I was so excited. And it was countdown. And we would have Ray and our buddy Ryan come over. People come over. We'd barbecue, stay up to midnight, and then watch the new episode. Dunzo. I'm not doing that anymore. Because it ain't worth it. These shows have just been too... Like, again, WandaVision, great. Ms. Marvel, fabulous. But their win-loss record is not great. And it's after Secret Invasion... I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'll, I'll watch it the next day, maybe in the morning when I wake up. But the days of me making a calendar event out of be for for counting down to and being up for the next episode of this MCU Disney Plus show, which I have done for a couple of years, over. It's over. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep watching the shows for sure. But but that that event feel of those shows coming out week after week, no longer a thing yeah, for me. I'm going to start watching them during the podcast. When we filmed the When you should be working. That sounds good. <laughs> All right, what's next? All right, our last of the tips. Brandon says, I know you don't watch Euphoria, but I have to say I was heartbroken by the passing of Angus Cloud at 25. Yeah. His talent gave us one of the best characters on Euphoria, and he seemed like such a wholesome guy. Mental health is serious. Don't fight it alone. Well, I mean, those, I mean, truer words. Um, look, let, let me take a, a second to say this too about, about mental health. Um. We have had sponsors on our show in the past about like online therapy or the good folks over at BetterHelp, uh, for example. And I say this during those ads, but let me say it again because it, I want it, I don't want it to ring hollow. This is very, very, very true. When we have buddies and friends and whatever start going to the gym to work on their physical health, we applaud them, we encourage them. We get inspired by that. We're like, yeah, that's awesome. Go to the gym. And, and that's good. Doing things to focus on our physical health is a very good thing. We, and I'm going to speak for guys in particular, we as men, I think, need to adopt that same mentality when it comes to mental health. Because right now there's still a stigma, right? Somebody sees a therapist and like they want to keep it to themselves because they perceive that as it's, it's weakness if you go see a therapist. Bullshit. You go into the gym, we don't say that's a sign of weakness. We say that's you committing yourself to get more physically healthy. I think we need to focus on being more emotionally and mentally healthy. And that's why I, I, I encourage anybody, specifically if you're finding yourself struggling with anything or whatever, take advantage of that. Focus on your mental health. Go to that proverbial gym. 
Put in the workouts you need to put in. Go and focus on doing things to get more mentally and emotionally healthy. And we as men should be encouraging each other and celebrating that when our, our fellow men are doing stuff like that rather than letting there be a stigma on it than anything else. We focus on our physical health. We should also focus on our mental health. All right, guys, with that down, we're going to move over to the Super Chats here. But before we do, we're going to take a quick second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for sponsoring this episode all right with that down let's get over to the super chats what do we got up first all right from abraham we've got could barbie and oppenheimer have had a bigger opening weekend if amc a-list didn't exist those plus 100k that booked both films could have bought tickets instead of increasing the overall box office uh, no, because the downside would have been much worse. A lot of there was a lot of people who went because they had a list. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, never underestimate that. Yeah, when somebody uses the A list, it takes away a little bit of the box office dollar. But how many more people are going because they have a list? How many more people are going? It's like you know what? I can go see Oppenheimer and go see Barbie same day because I got my A list. So. No, I would venture to say that if it wasn't for A-List, they may not have made as much money. Can you book two movies on the same day? Yes, I don't think you can book two movies on the same time, though. Okay, all right. All right, what's next? All right, um, we've got Chris Miner. Who has had the better career, Affleck or Damon? <sighs> Probably Damon. Damon. I'm then again, say in terms of directing? Ben, yeah, see, I'm going to say Ben Affleck because... Uh, Ray because he has the one dimension to his resume yeah. that Matt Damon doesn't, and that is as a director, and not just a director, one of the best in the business. Ben Affleck is like one of the best directors out there. He did one of my top five favorite movies of the year so far in Air. He directed the Academy Award-winning Best Picture of the Year in Argo. Gone Baby Gone was amazing. Uh, uh, the Town was absolutely phenomenal. And so, like, he's and he's had some great acting performances. I think Matt Damon takes the edge in just pure acting because I think he, he edges out Ben Affleck as an actor overall. But, I mean, because Affleck has got that extra dimension of being one of Hollywood's best directors, I think that gives him the slight saying, who's had the better career? I think by the slight margin, I'll say uh, Ben Affleck. Which one bought a zoo, though? <laughs> huh? 
Who bought an animal park, baby? Who bought a zoo? Mm. Who that walked movie, on I Mars, like that, Ray? I like that movie. Who walked yeah, on who Mars? Walked on Mars. <laughs> That's the who key survived? thing. <laughs> All right, what's next? All right, String Bean writes, in regards to when uh, they went on strike, I've heard that she pushed it back wanting to promote her own project before. Thoughts here? Love you guys. I have no idea what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Who is she? Pushed her project. Maybe, oh, was it? Oh, wait, there's another one above. My sister is part of SAG and mentioned how some of the members have been less than happy with Fran in regards to when they went on strike. Oh, okay. I've heard that she pushed it back wanting to promote her own project. But, I mean... Not the Gucci thing, right? That's not that big of a deal. No, well, what happened was, remember, the deadline came for when the SAG contract ran out. And instead of going on strike that day, they put a a one-week extension on it because they felt like they were making progress. And they wanted to see, and this is what people should do in negotiation, try to see if you can avoid a strike. Um, What projects does Fran Drescher have? I, look, I, I'm not trying to sound mean. I'm not. But, like, what <laughs> projects does Fran Drescher have that have? people care about? Uh, I mean, so I highly doubt that the executive board of SAG would let one person, let alone Fran Drescher. You know what I think this is? I think, again, they're falling for some FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt that's being pushed Yeah, to, to undermine their, their unity. Yep. And, and listen, they're doing a lot right now to undermine their own unity. Yeah, and it's so. not your it's not it's not your sister's fault. I'm just saying this this stuff gets out and it it's pushed. So yeah. All right, what's next? Um, Adam Henson writes: Will you be checking out the last voyage of the Demeter? I am surprised there hasn't been much coverage for it. Cover what? I, I mean, right? That's the question. Cover what is there to cover? Yeah, I haven't heard of much news coming out. The of The trailer it. came out. The movie's coming out. Mm-hmm. It's not out yet. There's literally nothing to talk about of it. And listen, I'm not going to lie to you too. I don't think the trailers look very good. I'm going to check it out, but I, I I don't particularly <laughs> think the trailer... And listen, I don't go to every movie. There are some movies that really do not have my interest and I'm not going to waste my time. I don't go to them. Uh, the Dementor, just because of the subject matter, I'm a sucker for Dracula stuff. Absolutely. But I'm not going to lie. It doesn't look that great. But I mean, there's been nothing to cover yet so we'll see what happens all right what's next okay we've got jedi master jensen ackles uh just brought an abandoned just bought an abandoned mansion now if there are ghosts there and he can get jared padalecki to come along then he can give me uh spn season 16 forget supernatural you can just make an unscripted show that's literally with just the two of them Go and got to live in this house for a week and you just film it and you <laughs> chop it up into episodes. You've got a series right there for Discovery Plus. For you You're too. welcome. <laughs> All right. What's next? Uh, fun Caleb Jacobs. Fun fact. Uh, there was an episode of Smallville in season 10 called Booster with Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Yeah, I remember. I mean, and also you had, by the way, you had Aquaman in there. Huh. That was played by our yeah. current Jack Reacher. Mm-hmm. What's his name again? Uh, something Richards or Richardson or yeah, yeah, yeah. he was just in fast X as well, mm. but he's a great reach. I really love Reacher. He's, he's wonderful in that. All right. What's next? Uh, Caleb Jacobs uh, do, is back. Do you think Warren Beatty will ever do a sequel to Dick Trade? No, he no. has said he is interested. Fun fact. The actor who played the high evolutionary in guardians three was also in peacemaker season one. Oh yeah. We talked about that many, many, many times. Warren Beatty Alan is Richard. 
Richton. Richton or something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, that's him. Warren Beatty, how old is he now? I'm going to look this up. Um, first of all, nobody watched the first Dick Tracy. I love that movie, though, when I was a kid. Did you? Oh, yeah. I never kid? liked it. Dude, I even collected the action figures, I, flat top and like, all that. The characters are so crazy. And was Al Pacino was in it too, right? Oh, he was the bad guy. What was he the was name? the main bad guy. What was the name of his character again? Something face or... Uh, yeah, I'm going to look it up. But he's 86, so he isn't doing a sequel to Dick Tracy. No, and no, look, look it, it wouldn't matter if he was 66. Nobody cares about Dustin Dick Dustin Hoffman was Mumbles. Madonna was in it. That's right, Al Pacino's Madonna. big boy Caprice. Big boy Caprice. Big boy did it. Big um, boy did it. Nobody cared. <laughs> I mean, listen, when that movie came out, nobody watched it. So I, no. They had to slow down the tape because he was like, rah, rah, rah. like, slow it down. It's like, big boy did it. Big boy big did boy it. Big boy did it. All right, what's next? <laughs> Shuvo Rahman writes, um, watched Oppenheimer twice on IMAX 70 millimeter, uh, MI7 once in IMAX and once in 4DX. Whoa, you can get oh. sick. The only three movies I want to see for the rest of the year are Dune 2, Napoleon, and Killers of the Flower Moon. Great year for movies so far. Excellent year for movies so far. And by the way, I got I got to throw this out there again. This is, it's a pet project movie of mine. The jo uh, Joyride. Joyride. Phenomenally flopped. Oh, still? Actually, look up for me, Ray, about yeah. what the Joyride production budget was. I'm sure it was really cheap. Uh, super cheap movie. But, man, that movie only made... 13 million at the box office. Uh, Joyride. Uh, anyway, 13 million. At 32 the million. 32 million to make? Yeah, it's said to be around 32 million. I mean, that's super cheap compared to like, you know, these movies that are coming out right now that cost 250 million, but it means they lost a lot of money. I mean, apparently it's now on the VOD charts and it like came out at number five on the VOD chart, which is great, whatever. But I am telling you, man, I, whenever. Joyride for me is going to be one of those movies that goes right along with the nice guys. Whenever I hear people who want to sound like they're, they're cultured when it comes to movies, they go, oh, move, movies don't, they don't make original movies anymore. They don't make original movies anymore, which of course is bullshit. As I've guys have told you more original movies get made today than in any other time in Hollywood history. And the big problem is that when they do make a great original movie, people don't go support it. Uh, Ryan Gosling, Ru Russell Crowe's uh, Shane Black movie, Nice Guys, one of the best original films I've seen in the last decade or more. It was so good. And Joy Luck Club, or Joy Luck Club, uh, The Joyride, because the movie is going to be called The Joy <laughs> Fuck Club, was going to be the name of the movie. But Joyride, such a good, or fully original movie. But that's the thing. People don't actually, people say they want original movies. They don't. They say they want original movies. They really don't. And week after week, month after month, year after year, the numbers prove it. Oh, I mean, whenever someone says that, I'm like, oh, how often do you go to Lamley? And they're like, what's, the, what's Lamley's? It's a theater. It's, you know, independent theater. It's original stories. Never. Yeah. But you don't even need independent small movies. There are these big wide release films that come out that are purely original, all that kind of stuff. And people do not go unless there's an X-Man in it or somebody with a lightsaber. People don't want to go. Or apparently Barbie. <laughs> Barbie will do it too. But yeah, anyway. All right, what's next? Uh, John Redcorn writes, will the negative response of Secret Invasion impact the Marvels? And if it does, how much? Yes. Yeah. Because one of the big promotional pieces of the Marvels is Nick Fury. And right now we're coming out of a show that everybody <laughs> kind of, the first thing Marvel has ever done that made people sour a little bit on Nick Fury. Nick Fury's always been considered one of the coolest characters in the MCU. 
And this is the first time I'm actually hearing some people saying, eh, Nick, they, they, they kind of took a little bit of the shine off Nick Fury at the show. So, yeah, yeah it's not going to be the biggest thing that hurts the Marvels, but I do think it's going to negatively impact the Marvels, unfortunately. All right, what's next? Caleb Jacobs writes, uh, I really want a Men in Black Marvel crossover. Marvel does own the intellectual property. I didn't know that. I, I don't know anybody else that wants that. I'll tell you what, though. There, that one crossover? I, at first, everybody, including me, when those reports came out, the verified reports, that Sony at one point had been considering a Men in Black and 21 Jump Street crossover. Mm -hmm. And when I say 21 Jump Street, I don't mean the original show. I mean the Channing Tatum, right. Jonah Hill one. And everybody, including me, admittedly, were like, how stupid you have to be to do something like that. And then I thought about it a little bit. I still remember me and Amy Rose Weisenbach. We, we were thinking the same thing. We were both like, oh, what a stupid, stupid thing. And then like a couple of days later, we were both, you know, that could actually be really funny if you do that right. And I suddenly got warmed up to the whole thing entirely. But I will say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have no interest in a Men in Black Marvel crossover. <laughs> that I have zero, zero, zero interest in. <laughs> All right, what's next? King Daddy Goat writes, Loki is always a bankable character in the MCU, in my opinion. I, I mean, look, the proof, I, I didn't even think Loki, the series season one was very good, but it's still the number one viewed Marvel show on Disney+. Plus. So yeah, people love Loki, and they love Tom Hiddleston in the role of Loki. So, hell, he's my fate, third favorite MCU character, only behind Steve Rogers and Kamala Khan. All right, what's next? Ryan writes, everyone I've talked to is super excited about Loki season two. I absolutely love season one, and I think it is the gold standard of Disney Plus shows. The trailer had me ready to run through a wall. That's the beautiful thing about the art, man. It's all subjective, and it hits us all in different ways. I couldn't disagree with you more about Loki being the gold standard of Marvel on Disney+. Plus. I don't think it's anywhere near that, but I'm glad that you do. And I'm sure there's things that I love that you don't necessarily, and that's the great, beautiful thing about the art, is that it all hits us in different, fresh, and unique ways. And there can be a piece of art out there that we don't like, but somebody else is getting a lot of joy out of it, and vice versa. And so while I don't agree... It's awesome you can come on our show and talk about how you love it because that's great that you had that experience with it. And I hope season two lives up to your expectations. I really, really do. I hope for me too. All right, what's next? Uh, Samir writes, uh, I was at 18, I was an AT&T subscriber when they bought WB and got HBO Max for free because uh, of it at the time. Uh, to this day, still haven't paid for it and still use <laughs> it. Max, uh, even though I don't have AT&T anymore, so here's a month's uh, cost for you. Oh, okay. thank you. $20. Put in $20? Yeah. Hey, listen, that was one of the great things. When AT&T took over Warner Brothers, there was a lot of hope. I mean, there were some people concerned. like, what does AT&T know about running an entertainment company? But there's also a lot of, there was a, some natural tie-in, right? Like you were an 18 customer, you got free access to this, that. It actually looked on paper to be a pretty good marriage. It turned out to be a disaster for Warner Brothers, for AT&T. It just worked, did not work out for anybody. Uh, but again, on paper, it does look, it looked really, really good. And, 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 and a future combination like that of merging a technology, a communications technology with an entertainment brand, theoretically that could work. But yeah, the AT&T one just didn't. All right. I still next? don't think I'm paying for my Macs. 
I think I'm getting still free. I'm definitely paying for mine. <laughs> yeah, but Ray isn't. No, Ray is not. Ray is not. Kyle Schneider writes, Saw X, the creator, and the Paw Patrol movie all come out on September 29th. Oh, yeah. Triple feature anyone's the Saw Patrol creator. You know, somebody brought up, what do they call it? Saw uh, Patrol. Saw Patrol. But they called it what? They called Saw it Saw Patrol. Uh, Saw. Saw Patrol. Oh. Saw Patrol. Yeah, yeah. I got to admit, I have no, I have very little interest in any of those three movies. Well, okay. I beyond, if you can go beyond zero, that's how much interest I have in Paw Patrol. Come on. Come oh, on. no. There's a paw. It, and, and I'm it's, a dog a guy. I'm a paw team. I'm a, I'm a dog a guy. <laughs> I have zero interest in this superhero Paw Patrol movie. Um, Saw X. A little bit of interest just to see if they can resurrect this franchise, which I doubt they can, but you know, a little bit of interest. And for whatever reason, the creator has failed to really capture my imagination. It looks very bland to me. Um, and who's the director? Uh, uh, uh is it Neil Blomkamp? Rogue One guy. Oh, yeah, the Rogue Gar One guy, Garrison. right? Right, uh, Garrett Edwards. Garrett Edwards. I Garrison, like Mr. Garrison. I like Garrett, him. I mean. But the, the, the marketing to me, while imaginative, looks really bland. But a lot of people think it looks great. I'm definitely going to check it out. And hopefully it becomes one of those movies that I go into not expecting much and I come out loving it. Hopefully that's it. But I got to say, none of the three of those really look all that interesting to me right now. We'll see, though. All right. What's next? Ryan writes, I'm really happy they put majors in the trailer. And, and in three different scenes at that, he's also on the main poster. Yeah. Didn't let him talk. Yeah, there's no speaking part. Uh, I, I think Marvel, listen, smartly is still playing the Jonathan Majors thing close to the vest, right? They want to see what's going to happen. The trial gets started in the next couple of days. Jonathan Majors assault trial gets started. Um, and maybe once we see which way the winds are going to blow in that trial, we'll get a sense of what's going on. But right now they're like not keeping him out of it entirely, but not exactly flooding the marketing with them. Because yeah. you know, listen, if there wasn't this controversy going on right now, if Jonathan Majors wasn't facing these assault charges right now, you know he'd be plastered all over the marketing. Yes, sir. Right? He's one of the hottest stars. Kang is supposed to be the next big bad of this whole phase. All that kind of stuff. So Marvel is, is trying to play it down the middle at the moment. You know, keep him present in there, but don't focus on him. We'll see what happens in the coming months. All right, what's next? Uh, Caleb Jacobs writes, is the multiverse going overboard? There is even a multiverse movie called Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Well, that one, uh, it's, that's gold. So, I mean, it's just, it just kind of got the laziness of it just became a big thing where you had every major movie franchise was doing a multiverse thing at the same time. You had Spider-Man, you know, doing it. You had Spider-Man in the animated and live action doing it. You got the MCU movies doing it, and then you had the Flash come out and do it. Like, everybody's doing it. Like, it's just like, oh, if you're anything, you do multiverse. Multiverse is everything. That's what the kitties like, right? It's, it's just got... And even though I loved Flash, and I loved... Obviously, I love Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, it's just, I still wish they weren't using these tropes, but whatever. All right, what's next? Uh, Richard K. writes, I remember when Jason Momoa met Gunn and Saffron and was really happy after people are thinking they told him that he's Lobo, maybe Batman, uh, or maybe Batman, but I'm thinking what if they said he was Deathstroke. Yeah, so remember a while ago, after, shortly after James Gunn and Peter Saffron took over DC, they had a big meeting with uh, Jason Momoa. And Jason Momoa put out this video 
of him coming out of that meeting, like practically skipping, like literally practically skipping. He was so freaking excited. And he's like, I can't tell you what it is, but like he was super pumped and excited. He wasn't doing that for being told there's going to be an Aquaman three. Right now. So we, that left us all to speculate. A lot of people think it's going to be Lobo. A lot of people feel like he was born to play Lobo. Maybe, maybe it's a death stroke. Maybe he's going to be the new Batman in Brave and the Bold. Maybe he's going to be, I mean, I, I don't know, but it's going to be something that's going to be something significant. And I don't think we're going to find out what it is until after Aquaman 2 is in theaters. Because they're not going to want to distract from, because listen, the, the DC films, super struggling at the box office, have been for five years. But they're going to want to keep as much focus on Aquaman as possible. They're not going to let Jason Momoa mention a thing about what his next thing is until after Aquaman 2 is done and out of theaters. Then we'll find out. So the bets are, are up right now. Is it Lobo, Deathstroke, Batman, KG Beast, somebody else? Maybe he's the new Penguin. I don't know. All right. What's next? All right. We got Richard K is back. Could we get a new Lord of the Rings movie trilogy with Bego and Liv? No. Return? No. As Aragorn and Ar Arwen... <laughs> And about his reign as king and him and their grandchildren defending his kingdom of Gondor against a new threat in the nope. new age, I'm assuming. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Mm. Uh, I'd be down for it. I'd watch it. You know, it's funny. I watched, um, I recently watched this like half hour video um, by, I can't remember, a Lord of the Rings site that they're just like experts on all the lore of Lord of the Rings, right? And they did this video on what happened to the nine members of the Fellowship of the Ring, right? And it goes beyond the end of Lord of the Rings. And they mm -hmm. go, what happened to Mary? What happened to Pippin? What happened to Gimli? What happened to, uh, like, all of them, right? And what happened later in their lives, how long they lived, where they went, what they did, all that kind of stuff. And it was really, really fascinating. So I would be down for such a movie, but never happened in a million years. All right, what's next? Joe Ad Adonis T writes, Hi, John, John, and Ray. Did you know that Koi fishes... Uh, travel in fours, koi. Oh, koi fish travel in fours, and when they feel threatened, koi A, B, and C scatters, leaving only the decoy. Oh, oh boy, no. Oh boy, no. No, no drum shot for you. Um, no. no drum shot for you. Bad, bad, Joe Donis. Bad. All right, what's next? Uh, probably will. Oh, so Dome writes. Uh, probably will go to see Oppenheimer for third time this week. One of the best movies in the last years. Ludwig's soundtrack is absolutely insane. Where are you getting tickets? Because I can't get tickets. Uh, well, you can get tickets anytime you want. No. You just want to see it in the 70 million. No, I don't care about it. It doesn't have to be 70 million, but I do want IMAX. And because and, uh. right now, they don't, it's, I would even do like Dolby, but it's not in Dolby. So it's only IMAX or the small screens. And I'll right. just watch it at home if it's a small screen. Well, no, no, come on. Even a regular movie theater is 10 times better Dude. than home, home screen. I mean, you got to see it on the biggest screen possible. But the right? sound in the in the regular screens, the sound is not that good. Depends on the theater you go to, yeah. I think. Because remember, the fact that it's made $400 million is super impressive, but that also means there are a lot of tickets available. Yeah. Like, you can, you can go if you really want. I, listen... I get wanting to see with the best sound, all that kind of stuff. You really should just see the movie. You got to see it. So get yourself out there to uh, to see it as soon as you can. All right. What's next? All right. Uh, Noor, uh, right. This is our last one. Secret oh. Invasion. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Secret Invasion story should have been a whole phase. No, no. I, I would have. I listen. I was kind of over the whole thing, the whole premise. I was over it fairly quickly. Like you can only do so much with. 
You don't know which ones are scrolls and which ones are actually humans. Right. It's like, oh, this guy's a scroll. Woo! I, I, you can, that would get so boring so fast. Um, I think doing it first of all, it should have been done as a movie. Secret Invasion should have been done as as a two hour and twenty minute movie. Number one, that's what they should have done. But they did it as a series. That's fine. You just needed to make it better. You needed to have more texture to it. Like when when Rob and I were talking about Secret Invasion, one of the big observations we had was the fact that the whole show just had one tone, right? It was just one tone from the beginning of the first episode to the end of the last episode and just maintained that one tone throughout. It was still not bad, but it really, so they just should have made a lot better. But making that into a phase, I would ditch on the MCU real fast if they try to stretch that very thin premise over an entire phase. And speaking of Secret Evasion, did you see this uh, the shot from the show? Uh, oh, dear. Yeah, what do we got? Uh, here you go. The real Gravic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, seriously, watching Barbie... And I, all I could do when I saw this, it, this version of Ken, uh-huh. all I could think about was gravity. Yeah, me too. That's the like, only thing I could think of. And you know what? Then I made up, I've got new headcanon for it. My new headcanon is Gravik was actually a Ken who got completely pissed off about the way, got fed up with the way the Barbies treated them and decided it's time to wipe out humanity <laughs> and take over the world ourselves. They were just played so they're just so different of a character that he was playing in each move in each thing that he is funny. so seriously, one of the funniest lines in Barbie is and I'm not gonna give you any context for it in case you haven't seen the movie. So no context for this line. Somebody says something, and then he says, I have hats now. And it's <laughs> one of the funniest moments of the movie that I just, I have hats now. I just about cracked up. It was so good. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for today's installment of Open Mic. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those tip link questions, super chats, all that kind of stuff. Number one, because you gave us fun, interesting things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved here, thank you guys so very much for your support. I want to thank the birthday boy, yeah, Ray Ora. It's almost done. Birthday boy. Jonathan Voico. Hey, see you guys. My name's John Campia, and until tomorrow, my friends, bye-bye.